Thank you for joining us here at Prevail Church for this podcast. We hope this experience builds your faith and impacts your life. For more information about Prevail Church, visit us online at prevail.tv. Now let's tune in. So um, I, I want to dive into the Word today. We're starting a new series today, and this series is titled Breathe. Somebody say Breathe. And the essence of this series, the point of this series, is for us to discuss over the next four or five weeks what the Bible and how the Scripture teaches that we can manage stress. Amen? Somebody say manage stress. Um, I know for a fact that times in life can get very, very stressful. And it's always good in those moments to lean into the Word of God to know what Scripture says that will help you manage. Here's the thing. A lot of us, I don't know about you, but maybe, uh, I mean, I was taught this and maybe you wasn't, but growing up, I was under the mindset that I could eradicate stress from my life. Right? I believe this idea that I would live stress-free. Somebody say stress-free. Now, if you've been to church and seminars and all kinds of stuff, they teach you how to be stress-free. But the reality is we can't really eradicate stress from our life. Right? It's a part of who we are. It's just a natural progression of life, we're going to deal with things that are going to stress us out, that are going to make us anxious, that are going to make us tired, that are going to make us angry, all sorts of emotions. But the reality is we have to learn how to apply the Word of God to those moments of our life so that we can be who God called us to be. Now, I know normally I like to, you know, get in your face and I might get a little loud, but today I'm just be real with y'all, it's going to be very practical, okay? Somebody say practical. I don't, uh, you know, we will at some point in this series, I'm sure there will be a moment where it's just, it's uh, spiritual, I would say super spiritual, as you would say. Um, But I'm not going to tell you that in three days if you pray five prayers, God's going to turn everything around, okay? I'm not saying he can't do that. And I'm not saying he may not tell me to say that. But what I have today, I believe God gave me a very practical word. Somebody say practical. Meaning like application, like here's some stuff you can go home and do. Right? Because, you know, I've also grown tired of church telling me and giving me suggestions on how I can live a better life, but not telling me some steps to get there. They say things like, well, you know, um, you know, God is on your side, and all you got to do is pray, you know. And I'm like, I'm praying, but my bills are due. Come on, somebody. Right? Uh I hear what you're saying, Pastor, but uh, do energy ain't going to accept prayer. Come on. 
You try that. Hey, I'm, I'm just calling to pray to pay, amen. Take it and be like, you go ahead and pray in the dark, okay? <laughs> Make sure you save that battery because uh, you're about to lose your power. There's power in prayer, but there ain't no power in not paying for your, come on, I'm just kidding. Sometimes we over-spiritualize things that can be very practical. And sometimes in life, we have issues and, and things that we are struggling with, not because it's the devil after us. Y'all, y'all ain't going to preach with me today. Y'all going y'all gonna to make me preach by myself. Sometimes it ain't the devil. It's poor decision. Amen? Can I just be real? Sometimes it ain't the devil. It's just you ain't budgeting your money. I'm, I'm, I'm talking from experience. I'm not talking to y'all. Listen, we used to live, I'm telling you, paycheck to paycheck, and it used to be hard, and we used to struggle and struggle. And, and the reality is when we sat down, we realized that our money was directing us. We wasn't directing our money. And we could pray and do all these things and say, God, send down glory from heaven and, and, and change it. And, and, and Lord, we need you. But God would say, no, you need better financial habits. We don't want to hear that, though. That's too practical. Wait a minute, Jesus. I need somebody to lay hands on me and turn this thing around. No, you need somebody to teach you how to budget. Oh, it just got real heavy. <laughs> the people on the line, they just signed up. To, Listen, if you're watching online, you say amen. Nobody amen to me in the room. They all just looking at me like they finna punch me in the throat, Okay. So, so I, I don't want to, I, I don't want to over-spiritualize this series. I don't want to make it so spiritual that there's no practical application. Amen? Also, I want to preface this by saying, I understand that there are medical things. Hear me. Listen to me. Because the church for a long time has denied medical issues and that people are going through and they are depressed and they have anxiety and stuff and we want to say, oh, it's just the spirit, we cast it out. No, sometimes you need to go see some professional doctors. Amen? And they can help you. And you don't have to be ashamed of that. You hear me? Especially here at Prevail. If you need help, and you need help on a greater level than what you can get from this service on Sunday or from your community, we want to help get you there. So do not take this and say, well, I got the message, and you're really struggling up here. I believe that God will deliver you. I believe there's a spiritual component of it all. But I also know that God has blessed and given people gifts and talents that can help you walk through the situations that you are dealing with. Help you unpack these issues. Help you unpack the things that have been in your life for years and years. The cycle that you've been battling. Listen, it can be broken sometimes through therapy. Well, I don't want somebody laying No, you might want to go sit with a doctor for a few hours. You know what I'm saying? They'll talk to you. They'll be real with you. They'll tell you the truth. And they won't be biased and scared of you. Amen. Come on, somebody. There ain't nothing to be ashamed of. Amen? So we're starting our series today, and I wanted to paint those, 
just throw those few things out as we get started. Today we're going to be talking from Luke chapter 10. We're going to read verses 38 through 42. We're reading from the Passion Translation. I love this. I actually just preached on this same scripture on Mother's Day, but the Lord brought it back to me today. Okay? Luke 10, 38 through 42 says, as Jesus and the disciples continued on their journey, they came to a village where a woman welcomed Jesus into her home. Her name was Martha. Somebody say Martha. And she had a sister named Mary. Mary, listen to this, sat down attentively before the Lord, before the master, absorbing every revelation he he shared. But Martha became exasperated. One translation says she became distracted with serving. Listen to that. She became distracted with serving. She became exasperated with finishing the numerous household chores in preparation for her gift. So she interrupted Jesus and said, Lord, don't you think it's unfair that my sister left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to get up. You tell her to get up and help me. The Lord answered her and said, Martha, my beloved Martha. One translation, I love it. He said, he said Martha, Martha. Just, just put it. Y'all got them, uh, them old, like my grandma used to uh, be like, Martha, Martha. You know what that means when they say their name twice. He said, Look, Martha, my beloved Martha, why are you upset? First of all, this Jesus, he know why she's upset. I don't know why he asked that question, but it's rhetorical, and he did it anyway. He said, why are you upset and troubled? Pulled away by all these many distractions. Mary has discovered the one thing that is most important by choosing to sit at my feet. She is what? She is what? I need to hear you say it. She is what? And I won't take this what? Say that again? From her. Thank you, Lord, for what you're going to say today. I pray that you would speak through me. In Jesus' name, amen. My assignment today and the title of this message, and it's kind of funny because I was listening to Sade and I listened to uh, Logan and we, neither one of us have talked, okay, just so you understand. But my, my assignment today, my mission that I've titled this is Come and Sit. Somebody say, Come and Sit. I'm going to uh, back y'all up for a minute and tell you about July the 5th, 2009. July the 5th, 2009 was uh, an incredible day. Because it was the day that Aaron and I decided to launch our first church. Notice I said first. Come on, somebody. The name of this church was called the Freedom Center. And we were going to launch in downtown Greenville at Coffee Underground. Come on, somebody. And we were excited and we were overjoyed that we would get to launch a church. We had great expectations. We believed that this church was going to be life-changing and that lives would be changing. And it was going to reach the nation and all this stuff. And I just had big dreams. I was like, we about to be the, the, the stuff. Amen? Somebody going to know who the Freedom Center is. Amen? And I was excited. I was, 
I was in competition with Stephen Furtick, who didn't know me. <laughs> I was in competition with Ron Carpenter, who could care less. I was in competition with Perry Noble. I was out to get them. I wanted my church to be bigger and better, faster, all of it. You get what I mean? And that was the goal. And we started July 5th, and we were ready and ready. And how many of you know, it did not work out. It failed. I don't even say it failed. We ended up merging with my mom's church, and everybody who was at my church left. So my mom kept the name of the merger. It's still going. There's nobody who was originally with us is there. So I guess it failed. <laughs> I was very excited about that, and I couldn't wrap my brain around why something wouldn't work. Little did I know that God was working on something on the other side of things. And, and to be honest with you, I was working from a place of hurt, anger, disappointment, trying to prove something to someone, to somebody, so that I could be seen. Amen? Can I just be real with y'all? And so, so I, I, I didn't understand why it didn't work, at the time, but now when I look back, I'm like, thank you, Lord, because I was messed up. But I questioned everything. I questioned God. I questioned whether he was really for me, all of that. And I decided in that moment I would never do ministry again. Fast forward a little bit. We get an offer to go to Aiken, South Carolina. If you know anything about Aiken, Aiken still has dirt roads in downtown. Amen. Come on, somebody. But it's not a bad sign. In Aiken, if you got a dirt road, that means you are wealthy. Come on. Because you own horses. Y'all think I'm playing. Talk to the people from Aiken. Kayla know what I'm talking about. You ride through downtown, you see them dirt roads, you're like, yeah, that's a millionaire right there because they got horses. It was a place, it was, it was confusing to me, okay? I just wasn't ready for the dirt roads of that time. I, just, I was like, we passed that. Come on, come on. Uh, anyways, we get there, and um, I had decided that I was not going to do ministry again. My friend was like, you should come and, and do this. This church has a production thing. And I was like, sure, we'll try it out. And I got the job offer, took the job. We moved to Aiken. We're there for a couple years, and then God starts saying, I want you to start a church again. I said, nope. Not going to happen. Sorry. Mm-mm. Nope. And then I found myself back here in Greenville again, restarting the church called The Meeting Place. 2015, we started the church. We got the thing going three years into it. Boom. Here I am at this place again. Where I'm stressed, burnout, tired, upset, not realizing what's going on. Now, things were going great, and then all of a sudden, things were... I won't say going bad, because nothing bad happened. It just people stopped coming. I don't know why, but they stopped. Amen? And we couldn't figure it out. Like, we, we took months, and we prayed, and we were like, Lord, thank you, Lord, where everybody at it. And they, nope. I'm getting to it. I promise you, I'm, going, I'm headed somewhere. I found myself in a place where I'm stressed and tired and trying to figure out my dreams and, and anxious and, and going through the, these different things. And, 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 and I felt like I was kind of like Martha. 
Somebody say Martha. Martha in this story is seemingly doing what is a good thing, prepping her house for Jesus and his folks. She is prepping the house. Listen, if you have hosted anybody at your house, you know how it feels when you, people come into your house. You want your house to be in order. Come on, somebody. You like, uh-uh. My wife be like, let's build a whole new cabinet on this wall before they come over. And I be like, no. They're going to be here in 30 minutes. You can do it in 30 minutes. We're going to paint it and everything. I just be like, gee, girl. <laughs> Husbands, do not look at your wife. Do not look at your wife. It's the reality, like, like so, you know, because we want things to be in order. We want things to be ready. And, and, you know, most men are like, yeah, whatever. You know, they just going to come over, you know, put them shoes in the garage and we'll be good. You know what I'm saying? And the ladies are like, no. We got to clean the whole house five times. It's the reality, like, we get stressed and we get anxious and we get uh, so worked up. And, 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 and it's because we want to set precedence for people to think and look at us a certain way. Let's just get down to it. We don't want nobody to think we dirty and nasty. Come on, somebody. We don't want people to see the real us, the chill us, the, the, that ain't a big deal us. Come on. I got bars been watching Ted Lasso too much. Aaron's like, oh my God, I knew you were going to bring that up. So Martha, like many of us, is stressed out. She's prepping. She's trying to get things together for Jesus and all this. And then her sister, Mary, somebody say Mary, just chilling. Martha working, Mary sitting with Jesus. Martha's stressed out. Mary's just chill. Martha's over here trying to get the house in order. Mary's like, I'm trying to get my life in order. Martha's over here doing all this work and all this stuff, and Mary is just resting. Martha's working, Mary's resting. Amen? Kind of brings me to a point that some of us, many of us, have been working and working, and God's been asking us to rest and rest. Right? We built our whole faith on works. We're trying to do things and operate in certain ways and, and, and cross all the T's and dot all the I's just so we can say we're pleasing to God. And God is like, I did the work. Sit down somewhere, please. Come on, somebody. So, so, so Mary is, is and Martha's working. Mary is, is uh, resting. And Martha comes in. She says, Jesus, don't you think it's unfair that my sister's sitting out here? chilling while I'm out here doing all this work. Won't you tell her to get up? I'm sure Martha was neck was rolling and flipping that hair and all kinds of stuff. Just I got hair I can flip now. I need to be careful with that. She was flipping that hair and doing all kinds of stuff. You get what I'm saying? And just and Jesus looked at her and said, Martha, Martha. Chill out, girl. Okay, let me get ready to land this plane. What's interesting to me about this passage 
is the tone that Jesus takes in this moment. Because if you read a few scriptures before, Jesus actually has just delivered one of the greatest messages of all time about serving. He talks about the Good Samaritan. He talks about the Good Samaritan and her serving and, 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 and uh, I mean, the, the Good Samaritan, what happened in that situation, how they served and they gave and they did all the things. And then he looks at Martha in a different tone and says, it's time to sit, not serve. He asked her a question. He said, why are you so distracted with serving? Somebody say distracted. You know, it brings me to a point uh, of thinking about a few things. First of all, uh, sometimes we can be distracted by good things. Somebody say good things. Good things. But Jesus takes a, a whole different tone here, and, and, and he, he talks to her from a different point of view, and he looks at her and says, it's not time to be working, it's time to be sitting. But Mary is sitting, and Martha is working. And Jesus basically looks at her and says, girl, you are exhausted. Somebody say exhausted. He comes to her with Exhausted. And, and you know, there is something to say about exhaustion. There are some signs of exhaustion I want to share with you real quick. First of all, a sign of exhaustion is being distracted. Somebody say distracted. Say it loud. Distracted. distracted. Distraction is a French term. Now hear me, it's related to a cruel form of torture. I've shared this before, but in the medieval times, the French, this French torture was set aside for the very worst offenders, all right? So basically what they would do, they would tie the four limbs of the person up. They would tie their limbs up. And they would tie this person uh, to four horses. And then they would take and they would beat the horse. And as they were beating the horse, the horse would pull their limbs. And we get the term distracted from that. Paints a picture for you, right? Distracted, somebody say distracted. A sign of exhaustion is being pulled in every which way. And honestly, exhaustion will lead to complete, complete failure if you don't deal with it up front. A good sign that you might be exhausted is that you can't stay focused on one thing. Hello? Distracted. Somebody say distracted. Another sign of exhaustion is overwork and underpaid. And everybody said amen. <laughs> Many of us are exhausted because we have been working and working and working and not receiving the value of the work that we have been putting in. A study conducted not long ago by the American uh, Psychological uh, Association showed that one of three workers 
suffer from chronic stress. Can I be real practical for a minute? They suffer from chronic stress because they have low salaries, high workloads, and too little opportunity for advancement. Somebody say overworked, underpaid. Another sign of exhaustion is anxiety. I don't know about you, if you ever had a panic attack or any of that, but they are not fun. If you have and dealt with anxiety, and if you haven't, God bless you. I love you. I'm thankful that God has given you that gift of not dealing with being anxious. But I have gone through it. I have walked through it. I even deal with it now. It is not a, pure, a pretty picture when I feel anxious and like the whole world is out to get me or something's about to happen. It is not fun to be in that place. Somebody say amen. amen. Anxiety is a sign of exhaustion. And I usually find myself when I'm exhausted and tired and pulled thin and distracted and not focused and all these different things, I find myself feeling anxious about everything. Feeling like everybody's out to get me. 2020 was the worst for me. Come on, somebody. I get in my car, I'm thinking somebody going, something going to happen. Even this morning, I'm over here driving to church this morning. Listen, I'm driving to church this morning feeling like I'm, I'm going to get in a car accident. I don't know why I felt like that, but I just felt like that. Anxiety is not fun. Amen? It's a sign of exhaustion. Trouble. Somebody say troubles. You're exhausted. Sometimes it's just because you're in trouble. Amen. So, so Jesus looks at her. He says, girl, you are tired. Why are you so exasperated? Why are you exasperating yourself? Why are you so exhausted? And he says, you need to come in here like Mary. I'm not taking this privilege from her. Come in here and sit down. Somebody say sit down. A lot of us, really, our freedom will come through a conversation with Jesus. But sometimes we don't sit down and have that conversation. Amen? I want to I wanna say something to you real quick. Uh, David, y'all know King David? King David made this, t- this statement. King David said, um, King David didn't need anything else. He didn't need a revival. He didn't need all this thing. He just needed a friend. He said, I ain't got no friend. When I'm going through, when I'm going through, I ain't got no friend. Somebody say, I ain't got no friend. And many of us need a conversation. So I want to talk just a couple of things, and then we're going we're gonna, to, I got a few points that we're going to, practical things that I want to give you, and then we're going to land the plane and be out of here, all right? Y'all like, come on, land the plane already. You've been talking for, uh, I promise you, I'm almost done. So we talk about this being the Bree, uh, the Bree series. And there are moments when you feel like you can't breathe. Amen? But there are moments in your life where you feel like, I can actually really breathe and understand what's going on right now. I want to I talk for a moment for us to realize what does it look like for our, us because I think if we're going to have a, a, a real conversation about anxiety and stress and know how to manage stress, then we have to know how, what it looks like when we don't feel stressful. 
Amen? You got to be fully aware of that. You got to be fully aware of what it feels like when you are stressful or when you're going towards that way, when things are happening and it's about, you you know what I'm saying, I'm about to blow up. And then you got to be aware of what it's like when you're not stressful. What is happening in your life when you don't feel so stressed out? When you feel like you can breathe, somebody say, when I feel like I can breathe. Can I just share some of my stuff? And then you can kind of think about this as you're in. When I feel like I'm not stressed or I can, I can breathe, so we'll, do, we'll just say that. When I, when I feel like I can breathe, in those times of my life, I feel like I pray my best prayers. Now, I'm not saying that there is a worse prayer and a good, a better prayer, but I feel like in those moments, I just be, boy, I can get down and pray. I tell you what, in that moment of my life, I might text prophesy to you. Come on, somebody. You get a, a text message, God said, whoa. You're like, what? Pastor Randy in a good mood. He breathing. Look at him. We text speaking in tongues and everything. Y'all are like, oh my word. I feel like in those moments I pray my best prayers. I feel like when I can breathe, those are the moments when I feel filled up. And I'm with full of joy, right? In those moments of my life when I feel like I can breathe, I feel like I'm more aware of the presence of God more consistently. I know when I turn on worship music in the car, I can just feel God's presence and things of that nature. I feel like in those moments, I am more attentive to the whispers of the Holy Spirit. I can hear what God is saying to me more clearly. I feel like I can hear the voice of God more often whenever I feel like I can breathe and, I, and I'm full of life and, and, I, and I've done the things you get what I'm saying? I feel like I love my spouse and my family very well in those moments. I make better decisions about my schedule. I don't just tell everybody yes. I, I learn how to say no, and I'm okay with saying no. Come on, somebody. I feel like when I'm in a moment where I can breathe and, and I'm not stressful, I feel like I'm nicer to people. Yeah? Anybody like that? That's my wife. She tell you, boy, if he in a bad mood, Lord Jesus, don't talk to Fred today. Y'all don't get that part of me. Y'all, y'all see the nice me. My wife be like, boy, I'm gonna pray for you. Okay. Put me in traffic. Ride with me in the car. I'm not even gonna go there today. But you already know. Logan has seen it. He's like, boy, I gotta pray for you, Jesus. I feel like I'm nice, even in traffic, when I'm in a good mood, I feel like I'm just nice to people. They cut me off, hey, man, God bless you, hallelujah. Let me go buy you some gas. When I feel like I can breathe and I'm, and I'm not stressful, I feel like I make better food choices and rest choices, amen? I also feel more creative and I feel more soulful. Somebody said more soulful. But when I feel stressed, somebody said, when I feel stressed, I'm aware of how I feel too. I feel scattered. Somebody said scattered. You know what I mean by scattered, right? Like you just can't, everything's just happening at one time and I feel like all this stuff, that's distracted, pulled every which way. I feel unfocused. There's a difference between being scattered and unfocused, right? 
scattered. I feel like I have no control over what's happening and it's just happening. But when I'm unfocused, I feel like I've lost control to bring myself back from that feeling of being scattered, right? Oh, can I say this one? In, in, in those uh, moments where I feel stressful, I turn to sinful pleasures. Mm. Come on, we, um, we got quiet right there. Everybody like, oh. Right, we turn to, we turn to, to, the, to devices that we find that are comfortable to us. Right? Sinful pleasures. I'm not saying that God's going to be angry with you because you turn it, you know. He, no, but this is what we do. We find ourselves, just, and you know, I was reading a book, and the book said that God is not angry with us when we turn to sinful pleasures. It's just that our sinful pleasures cause, it, cause rift in our natural relationships. That the cross is the finished work, and God has done all the work. And so when he looks at you, he says, and you're talking about I'm sinned. God says, I'm, I'm satisfied. I gave my son for all your sins, past, present, and future. But your sin issues and our sin issues are the things that cause rifts in our relationships with other people. Ooh-wee. And so when I find myself in a stressful moment, I turn to my sinful pleasures. And guess what it does? It affects my community. It got quiet in the house of the Lord. When I find myself stressed out, I find myself that I'm overworking. I find myself trying to buy stuff and spend money to, to bring some sort of feeling, to, to find some peace, and I can't find it. I waste hours watching TV. Somebody say, why hours? Lord have mercy. I mean, one time I was ready to watch the whole Marvel thing, like in one sitting. I was like, well, I'm going to throw these 50 hours in here. My wife would be like, you're going to go to a new house and watch that. Better rent you an apartment, sir. When I find myself stressed out, I give, myself, I give in to the infinite scroll. Anybody know what that is? Yeah. I'm a young people like, I know what you're talking about. Come on, I get that TikTok anointing. I'm just, I can't stop looking. <laughs> well, I find myself stressed out, I covet what other people have. I don't think what I have is enough. And so I look at other people and I'm like, I need that. I need that to feel what, you know, feel whatever again. So the question you got to ask yourself is this. What does it look like when, when I'm full? What does it look like when I'm empty? Which leads to the question of what refuels you? Somebody say, what refuels me? Also, you need to ask yourself this question. Write this down. How do I restore my energy levels? Maybe ask this question. What do I need to do to start replenishing streams? in my life. Maybe ask yourself this question, what, what relationships do I need that will inspire me? And maybe ask yourself this question, what should I read or listen to that will shift my perspective? Amen? I want to share these with you, and then we're going to be done. Six things that I believe can help to replenish you. Somebody say six things. 
Y'all can turn that fan right now. Don't, don't, don't let it, just listen. Six things. Somebody say six things. First thing is this, connect with God. I'm going to start right there. Amen. Somebody say connect with God. I don't care how many 12-step programs you take, how many therapists you see, any of that. I'm just a believer that one of the most important things you can do to help bring, start the journey back from stress and overwork and anxiety and depression is to find a way to connect with God. Amen? Sometimes other avenues will help you get back to that, but I think it's a highly important part of getting back to you. Because, see, God is the only one that can tell us who we are. Amen? He's the only one that can really help you understand who you are and what moves you and what's, what's, what's great about you and what maybe you need to work on. And he can tell you that with grace and things. You get what I'm saying? Because if you leave that to people, they'll just, they'll just mess you up. You know what I mean? Because people are haters. You got haters. Somebody say haters. So you need to learn how to connect with God. Somebody say connect with God. Scripture tells us over and over that God is, is, is where we find peace. He's the heel. I look to the heels from which cometh my help. He's, he's all over things. If we are going through tough times, if we're dealing with stress, gee, God is there for us. He's not wanting to be away from us. He's wanting to be close to us. The whole point of him in the Bible from the beginning, he's been trying to get close and back to man. He wants to get back to that picture in the garden of walking through the cool of the day. Scripture starts with God walking through a garden with Adam, chilling. Somebody say he wants to be with you. So one thing that you can do for replenishment is connect with God. Well, Pastor Fred, I don't know how to do that. I don't even know how to do it. I don't even know if God want to talk to me. You're right. I feel like that sometimes. But you know what you can do? You can start by simply, listen to this, write this down. I'm going to challenge you to do this for the next 15 days. Do this. Spend 15 minutes a day with God. I always challenge the church to this at least once or twice a year. 15 days. Somebody say 15 days. 15 days, 15 minutes a day with God. Maybe in the morning it's five minutes. A a cumulative time of 15 minutes just spend with God. Talk to him. You get what I'm saying? Sit down with your journal and see if he talks to you. See what it feels like to hear the voice of God. We got to be actively trying these things, actively getting involved in these. Because if you're not intentional about spending time with God, you will miss what God wants to do in your life. It's just that simple. Somebody say 15 minutes. 15 minutes for some of us is driving to Starbucks and sitting in line. Or Zaxby's. Man, if you go to Zaxby's, you can get a 30 to 45 minute session in with the Lord. Come on. Just sitting in the drive-thru, and then you get to the parking spot waiting on your food. It's another 30, 45 minutes. You got a whole hour and a half waiting on chicken. 
I felt that in my spirit. Somebody say, connect with God. For the next 15 days, I'm going to challenge you to spend 15 minutes with God a day. Just do it. And I, I love to see what happens out of that. Next is this, family. I don't know if I put it in there, Aaron, but family. Connect with family. Somebody say connect with family. You know, when you're going through tough times, sometimes you got to be intentional about connecting with those who love you the most. Sometimes you got to be intentional about spending time with your spouse, even though they might be getting on your nerves a little bit. Come on. Hello. Find a way to laugh, watch some comedy together, do something. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. If you want to change and radical your, or radicalize your family time, watch The Chosen together. I don't care what you're going through. All of y'all will be crying. Everybody. Dogs, newborn babies, everybody crying, okay? Just weeping. Because it changes your perspective when you hear and see the gospel. Sometimes we need to plan and set aside deep and meaningful family time. Do you hear me? I am a proponent, especially at this church. I'll tell people in a minute, bye. Take some time off. We will see you later. I've been seeing you way too much, y'all. I tell them husbands, I, I see you too much. If I'm seeing you, your wife ain't seeing you, and something else ain't happening. Bless the Lord. <laughs> I'm praying for you, bro. Come on. We need to build it, y'all, so we can have some real conversations. Amen. The kids can go to the other room and come on out. You know what I'm saying? Plan some time. Explore something new. Try something different. Go on a day trip. Sit and talk as a family on the couch without technology. Do something. You hear me? Be intentional. This is how you get replenished. I promise you it will change your life. Go hiking. Go for a walk. Something. Just call your wife and say, hey. Aaron loves that. I'll call her, hey, girl. I got to go by. <laughs> oh, my God, you call me saying. I'm like, yeah. I'm just kidding. I do that when she calls me. I cry and everything. Next is this, find satisfying work. Somebody say, find satisfying work. I love you, but listen to me. If you're not doing uh, what you love or are called to do, then maybe it's time to start praying some big prayers. Maybe it's time to start asking God to do the impossible, to open a door that nobody else can open. One thing while you wait on for your satisfying work, one thing you can do is you can volunteer here. You can volunteer with us. You can, you can get involved with the community here. Amen? You can do something that, that kicks off here. You can start a... A together group that's that's related to your passion is something that can happen. I'm telling you, but but you know, um, Aaron used to teach ladies how to, to to in their business how they would have a passion product a project and how that passion project would actually drive their business. Because listen, when you're doing what you love, you will do it gracefully, and you will be replenished when you're done. You hear me? 
A good sign that you're not doing what you love is when you're depleted after every interaction. I love y'all. Listen, I know it's hot. I know it's hot in here, and, and I get in here, and y'all deal with the hot on Sunday. I deal with the hot on some other days and all this stuff. But listen, when I leave here on Sunday, I might fall asleep on the couch, but I am full because I love this work. Amen? Next thing is this, get some recreation. Somebody say recreation. Some of y'all just need a hobby. I felt that in my spirit. When I was a, when I, you know, a long time ago when I was, uh, when we had started the church, I remember reading this book and um, this book was, um, was by Bill Hybels. It was talking about Simplify. And he was telling some of the pastors in life, a lot of pastors fail at ministry because they don't have a hobby. You ask the pastor, what's your hobby? He's like, reading books. And he's like, that is not a hobby. That's reading books. <laughs> that ain't a hobby. Or, um, you know, or I like to uh, listen to audio, you know, the Bible or this, you know, my Bible study group. That's not a hobby. Somebody says it's not a hobby. Some of y'all need to go play some golf. I can't play golf for the world. I tried, and it was bad. It was terrible. Look at it. Come on. I read, that, I read that book, and you know what I ended up doing? I bought a motorcycle. And my wife was like, don't ever read that book again. Because you, some, listen, some of us need a way to get out and to break away. Listen, you are replenished when you're doing what you love, something that pours back into you. Amen. And for me, riding a motorcycle, when I get behind that, boom, 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 I'm like, oh, every, mm, oh, I felt that. Come on. You need a hobby. Somebody said you need to ride with a helmet. Okay, I got you. Amen. Hallelujah. You know what recreation means? Recreation. Recreate energy. Somebody said recreate. Recreate energy and vitality in your inner person. Find something fun and exhilarating, uh, exhilarating that you want to do and do it. Somebody say do it. Buy a bike, rebuild a car, learn a new skill, go to the lake, collect some sort of novelty. Do it. Well, Fred, how is this in Scripture? Jesus was a boulder. Guess what? That's what Jesus did. He was a carpenter. He also liked boats. The Bible says that he was often, he was often withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Jesus had a hobby. He liked to be out there, you know, I don't know why. I can't do I can't be on the water like that. But that's Jesus. Come on, he out there walking on water and everything. Feel me? You have to wonder, do you ever wonder if Jesus was practicing walking on water? <laughs> I just wonder if he was practicing. You go out for hey guys, I gotta go pray. He out there really just practicing. Like, okay, let's do this, let's do this. Got that next week. We got to do that storm, man. I got to walk on this water. I got to get ready. <laughs> I know Jesus didn't do that. Come on, man. Don't, don't get mad at me. Somebody say recreation. You need some time for yourself. Amen. Me and folks, 
your husband, uh, uh, men folks, your wives need some time for themselves. Amen? Your spouse in general needs time. You're... My wife clapping way too loud. Amen? <laughs> wives, your husband need time for themselves. Amen? Come on, all the men said, y'all scared, y'all, like y'all scared to say it. None of them You need some recreation, amen? Get you some friends, go have some coffee, do something. I felt that in my, come on. You get what I'm saying? I know, listen guys, I know this is very practical and I'm not normally like this, but I'm just being very practical today because I think for some, for many of us, we try to make it spiritual when it's really you just ain't got no friends. Amen? That that hit hard, I know. Somebody say dream it and board it. You ever done a vision board? Anybody ever done that before? See, sometimes you need to actually sit and think about what you want your future to look like. You hear me? Like you need to plan out some time and sit and think about what you want your future to look like. I read this, Dr. Gail Matthews, a psychology professor at the Dominican University in California, did a study on goal setting. Somebody say goal setting with 267 people. She found, listen to this, that you are 42% more likely to achieve your goals just by writing them down. Oh, this is very practical, right? Because we will say all day long that we want to do this and we want to do that and I'm, on, I'm dreaming about this and I'm dreaming about that. But it's all here. It's all up here. It's never right here on paper. Habakkuk 2, 2, write the vision, make it plain so that people who will see it can run with it. Hear me, this is scripture, right? So even scripture understands that you may not be successful at doing what you think you want to do if you don't write it down. Somebody say dream and board it. What do I mean? Create a vision board. See yourself. I know this sounds like some self-help stuff and all kinds of stuff. And I know know some people might want to come for me in the comments. But half of y'all ain't doing what God called you to do because you ain't even wrote it down. Amen. And you're like, I ain't got no help. Because don't nobody know you need help. Oh, it got real quiet and I'm and we're praying to God. And God's like, yeah, just write it down, please. Write the vision, make it plain. Somebody said, make it plain. We can pray all day long, but action follows the words that you see. Hear me. I talk to young guys quite often. They say, I want to start a work. I want to start this. I want to start that. I, I feel, I see myself doing this. And I'm like, have you wrote down anything? Huh? Are you just still talking? Is this still in the talking phase? Because everybody talk. Most people don't do. It's real quiet, and I know it's real, 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 real in here. Amen? Last thing is this. Y'all ready for this one? Y'all ain't going to like me on this one, but get ready. Somebody say exercise. Exercise. Ooh. 
felt that in my spirit. Oh. Listen, listen, hear me, hear me. Listen. Studies show that people who exercise are more happy, less stressed. Come on, somebody. Every morning, me and Logan get together. I hate it while we're doing it. And then I feel great afterwards. Especially when I see burpees. Burpees are from the devil himself. Okay? Feel like he sat in hell and created them and said, God, can I give you this one? <laughs> God's like, I didn't even create that one, okay? Somebody say exercise. Oh, it's very practical. I know we don't want to hear that because we are like, oh, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever. I don't feel like I need to. No, you do need to exercise. You need to make your health a priority. Your family wants to be around. They want you to hang out and, and be around for a little bit. So we got to learn how to exercise. What are you saying, friend? I'm saying every day, get up, spend some time, go for a walk, do something. Somebody say, do something. Make a commitment to good health and keep challenging yourself. Set goals and reward yourself when you accomplish those goals. You hear me? Well, you know, I, I ain't trying to lose no man. I ain't worried about all that. My wife's to my eat healthy. Yes. Eat healthy. <laughs> I'm going to say exercise. I'm just kidding. <laughs> E healthy and Zaxby's. Amen. It is, buddy. Yes. Yes. Amen. You get you get carbs, protein, and vegetables. Amen. Fried chicken, French fries, and ketchup. I felt that in my spirit. I'm just kidding. I want you to listen. I want us to make a commitment today to, to really work on the company. And these are just some things you can do to replenish yourself. I think these are highly important things, and these are some things that you can do. Listen, if you're watching online, whatever it may be, I want you to spend some time. And really, I want you to spend some time in your life today. Start today. I want you to spend some time and figure out how you can replenish yourself. I know today was very practical, and I know it was longer than normal, but we need to learn how to work, do some actual work to replenish our life. Sometimes we blame the devil for what we can, what we should be doing. Well, the devil moving in my life, no, he ain't. You just ain't doing what you're supposed to be doing. And the devil's like, stop putting that on me. I ain't got nothing to do with that. Don't blame me, because you blame me now, you really won't know when I am showing up. Hello. Most of us, we don't need a devil to self-destruct. We do that all by ourselves. Very good. You hear me? So my challenge to you today, my challenge to all of us today, is to make a commitment to work on these areas of our life. I love what Jesus said, and he said this. He said, I won't take this privilege from her. Somebody say privilege. Now, this term has become very popular. We've talked about, you know, all kinds of privileges, okay? Black privilege, white privilege, whatever kind of privilege. Y'all hear me? 
And I know, I know, even when we say this, sometimes say those terms, people get squirmy. Listen, I'm not, I'm about, about to get political, but, but hear me real quick. Jesus said, I won't take this privilege from her. I want you to understand something. Peace and rest is a privilege. Sanity of mind is a privilege. Understanding that you don't have to work for God's grace is a privilege. Jesus said, I won't take this privilege from her. You know what privilege means? A special right, advantage, or immunity granted. In other words, he says, this is her right. Martha, I know you want her to come help you, but right now she is operating in her right, and that her right is to sit at my feet. Somebody say, come and sit. It's a privilege to be in the presence of God. It's a privilege to host the presence of God. Do you know what we're doing today is a lot of people can't do this. Across the world, you can't just get in your car and go to church on Sunday. This is a privilege. And Jesus said, I won't take that privilege from Mary. No matter how much you want her to get into your work, Martha, I won't take this privilege from her. Amen? So we need to replenish ourselves. Come on, stand with me right quick. Oh, I'm sorry I went very long. Don't, don't be too upset with me, okay? If you need the shortened version, you won't find it online. I promise you next week I'll preach for 10 minutes, okay? 10 minutes. That's what I'll do next week. <laughs> Rich is like, yeah, right. <laughs> Thank you, Lord, for those on the sound of my voice. I pray for peace over their life, strength, and courage. As God, as we are working through this new series, I pray that you would help us begin to learn how to replenish ourselves. God, we know and we trust you. We know that you can do the work. But I believe, Lord, there are some, some things that you have uh, given us the strength to do. So I pray that you would give us the courage to sit and actually look at what's going on in our life and make steps toward what you're saying to us. I love you, God. I pray this week, as we are going through the week, that we would find ourselves connecting with you, loving on you, being in tune with you. I just pray for peace of everyone in this room. If anybody's in here tormented or feeling stressed, I thank you, God, that you restore laughter, you bring back joy, and you do only what you can do. Great things like you can do in Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thank you for joining us here at Prevail Church for this podcast. We hope this experience builds your faith and impacts your life. For more information about Prevail Church, visit us online at prevail.tv. Now let's tune in.